Well, we are excited to partner with uh, Honduras Ministries in just a, another way that Wallula Christian Church is impacting uh, not just Leavenworth County and Wyandotte County, but uh, all around the world. And so uh, we're looking forward to all the good things uh, that God is going to do through uh, you guys and through that ministry and, and through all of us here at Wallula Christian Church. Another thing that we talk quite a bit about here at Wallula are our small groups. And uh, you'll hear us mention those, uh, especially in the fall and, and around the, uh, you know, January and February as those new groups are beginning. And we, we talk all about how important those are. Some of you know that uh, Gladys Reese, a longtime member of Wallula Christian Church, passed away last week. And so this weekend, we had a, a funeral uh, for Gladys. And uh, I just had several different people come up to me and say about the same thing. They said, I didn't know Gladys well until, until I started to attend the same small group as Gladys. And then they went on to tell me, uh, this is how Gladys impacted my life. And that the difference that Gladys was able to make in their life is, is amazing. And it wouldn't have happened but for small groups. Small groups are really important. It was in a small group this last week that uh, I was sitting with, with the other folks that attend there. We, we talked about, you know, last week's uh, message where uh, Jesus encountered face-to-face this man possessed by thousands and thousands of demons. And we talked about the difference that Jesus made. And one of the, one of the main things that we sort of centered our attention on at this small group is how amazing Jesus' love for this guy whose life was spiraling out of control for this guy whose life was an absolute disaster Jesus showed this extraordinary love for him he went out of his way he crossed the 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 lake he he went to a place where other folks didn't usually go that looked and sounded and talked like Jesus and and here he was impacting and making a difference in this man's life and how extraordinary that love was and it at the end of, of that uh, small group, you know, just like when you're in a small group, probably, here at Wallula Christian Church, you, you kind of share a time of prayer. And so we were asking, you know, how can we pray for each other? Are there some concerns we need to, to remember? And this mom in the group said, man, my little girl is having a hard time with another kid in the neighborhood. And this other kid in the neighborhood is picking on this little, uh, on my daughter, on this little girl, and calling her names, and just making her life not as, as great as it could be in the neighborhood. And she was sharing that, and she said, I just, I, I need prayer, and I need some advice on, you know, how do I share, how do I talk to my little girl about that extraordinary kind of love when she's being picked on, when she's being called names, when she's being hurt? You know, how do we talk about and how do we exercise that, that extraordinary love in our family and in our neighborhood? And so I sat back because, you know, I thought, man, I've done a really great job this week of communicating Jesus' amazing love for people. And so the advice that's going to flow from all of these other moms and dads in the room is going to be, you know, that we're going to have some really creative advice for how this little girl and her family can love this young man in their neighborhood and really show the love of Christ to him. And then the advice started to flow. And basically, the, the consensus of the group was that most of us have older kids. We've got teenagers, so we've got the superior firepower. Not only that, but we know where this kid lives. And finally, we have the element of surprise. 
we can form a strike force and send in this group of hooligan teenagers and just let the chips fall where they may. And maybe I shouldn't have been surprised by that advice because, like most of me, wanted to say the same thing, right? I mean, I'll send, my kid's not very big, but he's 16, he'll whoop up on this 10-year-old, right? Let's go take care of this. Let's get it done. You know, we, we eventually circled around to uh, maybe some advice that perhaps, uh, you know, Scripture or Jesus would offer in some uh, different ways, a, a few, that we could share the love of Jesus, but we mostly talked about how hard that is. You know, and I thought, what a great laboratory small groups are, first of all, for actually equipping us to follow Jesus. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's really hard. And they're just a great place to do that. But secondly, I thought, man, sometimes we receive advice that even though we want that to be the right advice, it's not really the right advice. And sometimes we receive advice that we just flat don't expect. Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 10, he has this encounter with, with a, a guy who couldn't be different from his face-to-face encounter last week. Last week, the man was possessed by demons. He was out of control. His life was spiraling down. Uh, he was going downhill. It was bad. This guy, if you talk to all of his friends, all of his family, if you talk to the community, the man that Jesus has a conversation with this week, he's got it going on. He is succeeding. You know, he's winning at life. Everything is going well for this guy. And so it's a little bit surprising that we find this, this in other Gospels, the Scripture calls him rich and young and a ruler. This guy who has succeeded early in life, as far as everybody else can tell, he's, he's got life figured out, as far as all his friends and family can tell. And yet this, this guy, who couldn't be more different from the man Jesus talked to last week, is sprinting up to Jesus and falling on his knees and saying, I need help. How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you you know the answer. And he starts to list some some of the law, some of the Ten Commandments. And the man said, oh, Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, I've kept all of those things. I've done that since birth. I really have it. I've got it figured out. And Jesus said, wait, well, there's one more thing I want you to do. I want you to go home and and I want you to give away your wealth to the poor and then come follow me. And scripture says that the man stood up and he lowered his head and he walked away because that was just something he wasn't ready to do. It was advice that he didn't expect and he wasn't ready to handle. it's It's an interesting story. It's a story that we can learn much from. And I think what it teaches us most of all is that Jesus really is. You know, we say, man, what you need most of all is a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus absolutely has is everything we need. He's sufficient to meet all of our needs. And we can receive from Jesus everything that we need. And I think that this this story in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to, to 30 or 31 or so, 
teaches us four steps to receiving what we need from Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them to the 10th chapter of the book of Mark. That's just Matthew, Mark, in your New Testament. Mark chapter 10, you can uh, probably find on the uh, Version app if you're using that. Uh, you can find Wallula, and it'll show you the outline and the Scripture reference there as well. well uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 31, four steps to receiving all that we need from Jesus. Step number one is to hurry to see Jesus. The first thing we need to do is hurry to see Jesus. And, and if, if this rich young ruler, I call him the rich desperate ruler, right? That's, that's kind of our title this morning because we're going to see in a minute that he is really desperate. He needs to encounter Jesus. And if he does one thing right, he hurries to meet Jesus. Look at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Jesus had started on his way, and, and this guy hurried to see Jesus. He was in a hurry to see Jesus. Man, in our world, we can understand what it's like to be in a hurry, huh? We, we are often in a hurry. In fact, we, we receive every day all kinds of advice on how to be more hurried, how to, how to rush a little more, how to do things quicker in, in a more expedient fashion. We can, we can have instant access if we just press the download button right now. You know, we can receive this item shipped to our front door two days free if we just sign up for the right club. We have, we have two lanes of drive throughs now instead of one to infuriate, I mean to get us through more quickly. My wife, my wife Sherry, she just brought home a new kitchen appliance uh, the other day, okay? And, and you would think that in my house that kitchen appliances got more use than the exercise equipment, but that's not always the case. And she brought home this new kitchen appliance. It's an Instapot. Have you heard of these? It's sort of like a slow cooker. Catch this. A slow cooker on steroids. A pressure cooker, a slow cooker that in an instant you can have this roast, right? That sounds not bad. We're in a hurry. We're in a hurry, we're in a hurry. And, and, and sometimes, most of the time, maybe even, that, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter so much. I've got uh, kids, Clayton is 16, and, and Lacey, my middle daughter, is 15. So they're both around that age where they're thinking about driving. Clayton, as soon as he turned 14, he was talking about, when can I take my driver's test so I can get my driver's permit? Because I want to be able to drive. I want to go places. When his 16th birthday was approaching, he's like, Dad, what am I going to do for a car? I said, that's a good question. You know, go figure that out, right? I, I want to be able to drive. Lacey just turned 15, and she hasn't taken her driver's permit test yet. You know, we've, we've asked sometimes, and she's like, yeah, I, I, I should do that. I'll, I'll go do that next week, or I'll go do that in a couple of weeks. I have to study, and I don't really want to study. And besides, Clayton drives me everywhere I, I need to go, and so she's not in a hurry to get that test. And I, I suppose that in, in, in the world of driver's license, maybe that's not such a big deal, right? Whether you're in a hurry to get that test done, or you're not in a hurry to get that driver's license. Maybe that's not such a big deal. And for sure, some things in life, we shouldn't be in such a hurry at all. But there are a few things that we really ought to pay attention to. And maybe it would be right, even, to hurry to do. 
And this, this desperate man, we know he's desperate. He's waited till the last minute. Jesus is about ready to leave, verse 17 tells us. And then he sprints to see Jesus. And he falls on his knees. He has one thing right, and that that's, he's in a hurry to meet Jesus. You know, when people meet Jesus, when people, even, even post-resurrection, when Jesus ascended post-ascension, you know, Jesus stood on that hillside and he said, guys, I'm going away. You're going to start the church. Good luck, right? I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. He's going to help. And, and he ascended into heaven. And then they started to tell that story of Jesus. And the church grows. And it's this amazing experience. And people started to give in to Jesus. They started to say, yes, I want to begin a relationship with him. I want to know this Savior, this Messiah. And when we read in the book of Acts is that as the early church begins to explode and we see encounters between Jesus' closest friends who are sharing the story of Jesus' death on a cross and burial in a tomb and resurrection on that third day, over and over and over again, we see people who, man, I need to start this relationship now. How do I begin now? How, how can I be in a hurry to meet Jesus. You look at stories like, like Philip, who's sharing this, the story of Jesus with this Ethiopian official in and, and Acts chapter 8, and, and he, he explains to the Ethiopian official all the way from the Old Testament to the story of Jesus, uh, the difference that Jesus is making, and they get near some water, and the Ethiopian official says, look, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized now? Peter uh, has this dream, and in the dream, uh, God says, I want you to go and, and tell everyone about this story. And so then some guys come to the house, and they say, hey, Cornelius sent us, and we know he's not like you and doesn't look like you, but he wants to hear. And so Peter said, yeah, I'm supposed to go, and he shares the story of Jesus with Cornelius and his family. And Cornelius says, man, why shouldn't I be baptized? Or Peter says, why shouldn't you be baptized right now? be in a hurry to meet Jesus. Paul, who was Saul, and Saul on the, uh, has this vision and meets Jesus face to face and hears from him and he's blinded and we, we sort of remember that story and he goes into town, he meets Ananias and Ananias shares more about Jesus and eventually, you know, that blindness goes away and Ananias said to Paul, why shouldn't you be baptized right now? They were in a hurry to begin this relationship with Jesus. If there's one thing in this world, one thing that makes a difference in, in all of eternity is beginning, starting this relationship with Jesus. And there are things in life that we ought not be in such a hurry to do. But to see Jesus, to begin a relationship with Him, this man had it right. We need to be in a hurry to meet Jesus. The first step to receiving all that Jesus has to offer us is to be in a hurry to see him. Don't wait this, this morning. Uh, be willing to begin that relationship. There's some decision cards at the next step station. On our way out this morning, I'll be back there hang, uh, hanging out, and you can talk to me. You can talk to somebody you've seen on stage. Talk to the folks that invited you this morning, but begin that relationship. Go ahead and be in a hurry to start that relationship with him today. Step number two is to remove all the obstacles then. Begin that relationship and get rid of all the stuff that gets between you and Jesus. 
Remove all the obstacles between you and Jesus. Let's look at verse 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Uh, Jesus begins this conversation. The, the man asks really the one question that matters. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, and he calls him good teacher. And Jesus begins this, this conversation in sort of a weird Jesus kind of way. And it's just a weird Jesus kind of way because we're on this side of the cross. We've read the story. We kind of see the end of the book. And we know that Jesus is good. Why is he good? Well, because he's God in the flesh. You know, God sent his son into this world. And so we, we, we kind of know that. And, and that's really what Jesus wants to, to point out to this, this guy. And so he asks this weird question, why do you call me good? You know, I, as, I, as I read these uh, conversations, I, I sort of think, I wonder, I wonder what Jesus looked like. I wonder what tone he had. If we believe the movies we saw, you know, we would, we would hear Jesus say, you know, why do you call me good? You know, only God is good. Sort of, maybe like this. Why do you call me good? You know that God alone is good. And I suppose maybe Jesus was like that, but I wonder, I wonder if maybe when Jesus asked, why do you call me good, it looked a little more like this. Right? I mean, I wonder if Jesus, I want Jesus to sort of look at this guy who says, good teacher, and say, what are you talking about? Why do you call me good? What are you thinking? Because God alone is good. Jesus wants to clarify a couple of things before he goes any further in this conversation. And the very first thing that Jesus wants to clarify is who in the world he is. Who in the world Jesus is? And that's the whole point of this question. Why do you call me good? Because only God alone is good. So let's think this through a little while. Jesus wants this man to understand that he is God. He is truth. He has the right direction to go. And so Jesus continues in verse 19 to say, you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. He's pretty excited. I've got this handled. I've done this. I want us to just to think a little bit. Jesus lists some of the Ten Commandments and there, and, and he's, he's pointing to the law. And, and so he says, take a look, and you, you need to practice and keep the law. I just want us to consider the list of things that Jesus presents here to this guy. What do they all have in common? Well, they're part of the Ten Commandments, right? They're part of the law. They're also stuff that is sort of we determine based on kind of what's going on on the outside. You know, they're, they're sort of, the, they're sort of the, the old lady church laws. Now hang with me. All right? Nobody throw anything yet. Because there was a time in my life that when you went to, to the church I attended and you talked to some of the more mature ladies, some of the more mature people in that church, they would have said, Lance is a good boy. Right? They would have said, Lance is a good boy. And for the most part, I mean, I've never been arrested, right? There's a lot of reasons that Lance was a good boy. 
There were also a lot of reasons that Lance couldn't have been further from a relationship with Jesus. Now he cleaned himself up because mom and dad said, you're going to clean yourself up, right? And he went to church and he knew the right answers. You know, he could win the sword drill or whatever. Some of you remember that stuff. But outside of those few hours on Sunday, you know, Sunday morning and youth group at Sunday night, maybe not so much. And even, even, even Jesus would teach in Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, even if we have this stuff nailed. You know, he'd say, you've heard it say, do not murder, but I say if, you, if you've talked angrily about somebody, you know, that's the same thing. Well, even if this guy is living these things out every day, well, he's missed the mark, right? Because this guy got unjustly angry at somebody in his life. You know, it's all stuff that we keep track of on the outside. And Jesus said, there's more to that. There's more to a relationship with me than just the stuff on the outside. I want you to get rid of everything that keeps you from really knowing me. And so Jesus goes on in verse 21 to say, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Well, there's a couple things in this verse, right? First of all, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. How cool is that? It teaches us a couple things, right? This guy last week who's dealing with all that spiritual oppression, whose life is out of control, Jesus loved him. The rich, desperate ruler this week, this guy who has everything sort of figured out, who is at least living life on the outside, he's got it all figured out, and people say, man, he's successful, he's making the right choices. Jesus loves this guy. And he wants to grow him past even where, where he's at. He wants to grow him and, and allow him to have a relationship with him. And so he, he, he points out the barrier that's keeping this man from really following Jesus. And for this guy, it happens to be his wealth. It happens to be his possessions. You know, for, for us, it might not be uh, money that keeps us from, from knowing Jesus more. It might be uh, success or business or our jobs or our reputation or even our families. There's all kinds of stuff that we can put between us and our God. And Jesus just wants to, to help us remove those things, to get rid of those things, to move to step number three, which is to rely on Him alone. Rely on Jesus alone. Verse 22 says, At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He wasn't ready to get rid of that barrier. He didn't know what to do. Jesus goes on and looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible 
with God. Jesus is sort of reframing their, their view here. Uh, the, the disciples, Jesus' closest friends, had sort of this idea, like many of us, that, hey, if, if you're doing okay in life, if this guy is really a rich, young ruler, then he must be living under God's blessing. We even use that word to describe material stuff, right? You know, hey, we moved into a new house, it's such a blessing. Got a new car, it's such a blessing. I got a raise at work, it's such a blessing. And we talk about that stuff in, in those terms. And, you know, I think we, we maybe need to step back and, and kind of sit down and, and take a look at how we use that term a little bit. I mean, we just watched a video, right, about, you know, these folks who are pouring their energy into uh, serving Jesus in Honduras who, as far as blessings like that, you know, God, God doesn't bless them in the same way. You know, we need to begin really considering the, the stuff that God gives us and, and, and the blessings that he gives us, that material stuff, if we want to think about that. We need to stop thinking about them as simply blessings and start thinking about, you know, how do we bless others with this stuff? How do we use that stuff as, as resources and as tools to grow the, the kingdom of God? Most of all, Jesus wanted this guy to know that there's nothing you can do. You know, with, with, with man, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. You know, Christianity, following Jesus, is the only religion in the world that relies on something someone else has already done. You know, when you, when you take a look at, at, I think, every other major world religion, then there's, there's a whole list of things that you need to do in order to achieve whatever. And following Jesus begins by simply saying yes to him. He's already done it. He's done all the heavy lifting. So how do, we, how do we get there? How do we rely completely on him? How do we even know, you know, what's keeping us? What, what are the barriers in my life? Well, one of the things we can do is we've been talking about this spiritual preparation. We've been asking you to, to choose a day or, or choose a meal every, every day of the week or however you, you decide is best for you and, and physically and, and all of that stuff. And, and fast. And, and one of the things we learn from Scripture about fasting is, is that it, it, it offers us this unique opportunity to then use that time to, to focus our attention on our relationship with Jesus and the difference that he's making in our life, to talk to him. And one of the things Scripture promises us is that, man, this is a great time of, of, of you know, spiritual growth, of spiritual breakthrough in your life. If you're wondering, you know, do, do I have some of these obstacles in my life that I need to remove to rely totally on Jesus, then one of the things you can do is, is really take advantage of these next couple of weeks and, and grab one of those spiritual preparation worksheets from the Next Step Station or uh, from the welcome tables in the foyer and, and go home and, and just concentrate, Give up something, right? Lunch next week or a lunch on Wednesday or give up a you know, TV show or whatever. Just choose to sacrifice something 
and use that time to focus on your relationship with him. And that's really a beginning step to our fourth step, to live sacrificially. As Jesus said, you know, we want this guy to, to give away his wealth and follow after us. And then Peter, in verse 28, spoke up, we've left everything to follow you. Peter says, that sounds like us. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Jesus said, yeah, Peter, it it sounds like you and you need to continue to live sacrificially. You need to continue to live and figure out how do we treat the blessings that God has given us in life, the resources that he's provided with us to manage, how do we begin to treat them as tools? You know, I wish I was, I was a guy who, was, who was, could build things and, and fix stuff. I wish I was great at home repair. I'm not. And so consequently, I don't have all that many tools, you know, that we think of as tools at home. Some of you have these amazing garages, and you even have tools like displayed on pegboards all around the garage, and everything is in its right place. And when something is missing, there's like that shadow on the wall, you know, and you freak out. You're like, what in the world is wrong? This needs to be in its place, right? For me, for me in, in, in our house, it's the TV remote, all right? My wife has this idea that the TV remote ought to live next to the television, and I think that's silly. If I have to walk up to the TV to get the remote, I'll just turn it on. The remote ought to live out with the people. Because the remote, the television remote, is not something to be adored. It's something to be utilized. It's a tool. Well, the stuff, the resources that God has given us, they're they're not something to be adored. That was sort of this guy's issue, huh? Man, he was depressed. He was sad because he had worked so hard, because he had achieved so much because he had so much surrounding him that he was adoring instead of utilizing in service to the kingdom, instead of getting out of the way so that he could continue to know Jesus. You know, this morning, sometimes, sometimes we get in a hurry. And, uh, and sometimes it's not necessary but if there's one thing that we ought to be in a hurry about, it's to begin that relationship with Jesus. And when we begin that relationship with Jesus, we can start to uh, remove the obstacles that have kept us from him and that kind of hinder us from knowing him more. And we can rely on him more and more and more. And we can start to live sacrificially. You know, we, we have to be careful even with that word sacrifice, right? I mean, Jesus, Jesus asked this man, I want you to give your stuff to the poor and come follow me. And yet Jesus would make the ultimate sacrifice and give his life so that we would have that opportunity. We can be in a hurry. 
to meet Jesus. Let's trust him, let's rely on him, and let's, let's start to live more and more like him. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. And God, God, I know that there's stuff in my life, that there are obstacles in my life that keep me from, from knowing you in the, in the way that you really want me to know you. And I, God, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I ask your forgiveness. I would ask that you'd help point those out to me, that I would listen to advice from your word and from other uh, godly folks that would speak into my life and that I could move closer and closer to you. God, help me to rely on you more. God, help us as a, as a team, as a, as a church family. Help Walula to, to continue to be that church that, that is living sacrificially, that's serving in, in Leavenworth and Wyandotte counties and even all around the world, God, as we, as we do our small part to share your big story and to grow your big kingdom. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen.